The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in the cinematic multiverse. My name is Danny Vincent, and with me always is Tyler Borland. That's right, I'm Tyler Borland, and this week we discuss actors you get excited for and films that leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yes, we're talking about the films of Daniel Espinoza prior to the release of his newest directorial piece, Morbius. Danny, do you want to take it away? Yeah, well, first, first, the Oscar nominations happened, which don't worry if you remember on our podcast last year, I went through all the technical award nominees and looked at everyone who was connected to the MCU or, you know, the multiverse of Marvel movies there. I did not do that this year because I felt like it. I don't think anyone really responded well to it. If I remember right, everyone was kind of like, why'd you do that? And it was kind of a waste of my time. So instead, I will just read a a selected list of the mainstream nominations that I think are worth talking about on this podcast. First up, two Marvel movies were nominated for the Oscars. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Spider-Man No Way Home got nominated for visual effects. Uh, neither of them are going to win <laughs> because they're up against Dune. Uh, <laughs> I've not uh, seen Dune. Yeah. I need to. Yeah, it's okay. I my, my, my opinion on this category very quickly is that uh, you can't tell me that Free Guy has better visual effects than The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, uh, so. Free Guy got in there because of the free meal. That's true. Free meal. They, pay to, they bribe the pay voters. Pay to play. Bribe pay to play. <laughs> yep. All right. So... These are going to be names of people who are involved in Marvel projects that we want to congratulate for their Oscar noms. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, director of the original Thor movie, was nominated for his film Belfast in Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay. Kenneth Branagh, actually, fun fact, now holds the record for most nom Like, he's been nominated in seven separate categories over his career. Wow. Uh, yeah, because this is his first time in original screenplay. So that's how he got to... That one. Everything mm. he's, he's been nominated, I believe, in director before. Maybe picture. I'm not sure. Uh, but good job, Kenny. Next is Will Smith, where he was nominated for Best Picture because he produced King Richard. And also Best... I wrote down Director in the Doc. But Best Actor. <laughs> Will Smith did not direct King Richard. Uh, and normally we wouldn't bring him up, but we did just cover Men in Black for three weeks. So yeah. good job, Willie. Uh, Bradley Cooper, you know, voice of Rocket Raccoon. Uh, was nominated for Best Picture because he produced Nightmare Alley. And then I know we mentioned Will Smith as actor. Well, there are two other actors that have Marvel alum to them that were nominated for Best Actor. And both of them were in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, ben DeCumberbatch was nominated for The Power of the Dog. And Andrew Garfield was nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, both of those are my top two performances in that category. And it's not because I'm a Marvel fanboy. Uh, this next one I put down, <laughs> which is funny because I honestly had forgotten she was in this movie. Then I was like, ah, she was. So we'll, we'll say it. Jessica Chastain was nominated for Best Actress for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and she was the villain in Dark Phoenix, a film that I don't know if we will ever cover on this podcast. Oh, I hope we don't. <laughs> I, re- I really hope we don't. <laughs> you know, it's going to be great if we uh, if we do. We should do back to back because uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine came out in 2009. And Dark Phoenix came out in 2019. So those, those are hard. <laughs> I consider both of those to be um, equal amount of uh, heat as the piles like of them. trash that they I are. like them both more so. than X-Men Apocalypse. Just saying. Um, I like parts of X-Men Apocalypse way more than I like the whole and parts of those <laughs> others. Well, there are some good there's some good Magneto stuff. In Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that's why I was like, there's, there's some good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Coleman was nominated for Best Actress for The Lost Daughter, and she's going to be in Secret... She's actually shooting it now. I don't know if you've seen any of the photos. There's Seth photos of Olivia Coleman doing Secret Invasion mm. out there. 
Um, no, I've, I've not seen him. Uh, one of the weirdest noms of the Oscars acting wise was J.K. Simmons was nominated for being the Ricardos and Best Supporting Actor. And he, of course, was also in Spider-Man Away Home a couple months ago uh, as J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, and then Kirsten Dunst got her long overdue first nomination for The Power of the Dog and Supporting Actress. And she played Mary Jane Watson. And mm. I have this last one, which has nothing to do with the MCU, but does have to do with our podcast, is that Luca did get nominated for Best Animated Feature. So we are not going to go burn down the Academy this year. Right. The yeah, movie. The movie, not the short. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, I, I wonder if they even... <laughs> they, they, I'm curious if they submitted the short. They could have. They could have. I don't know. All right. I don't let's know. get to our actual top... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We want to congratulate the nominations. And Tyler, yes. looking at these... Which one of these do you want to have most win the Oscar, having not seen any of these people films? Which one of these people do you want to have win an Oscar? Luca doesn't count. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> you're gonna say Luca. say Luca. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Bradley Cooper. Uh, because well, Brad. Okay, Bradley Cooper or Kenneth Branagh. Um, I do not like Will Smith. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. I think has won enough. Andrew. He's Garfield. never won an Oscar. Oh, he hasn't. No, no. Okay, well then, uh, uh, I don't think anyone. Best of was, luck. J.K. Simmons has won an Oscar, and Olivia Colman won an Oscar. Gotcha. I do not like Jessica Chastain. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So B. Coops. Okay. Uh, B. Coops or Kenneth Branagh, ah. Sir Kenneth Branagh. He's sir not Kenneth. a sir, is he? Kenneth Branagh. He is a sir, I believe. He yeah. is a okay. I think he is. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm rooting for Andy. Uh, but I wouldn't mind if any of these people wouldn't besides like Will Smith, uh, really. And just stayed, but not because in Simmons, but not because of them as people. I just didn't like their movies. Uh, you know, yeah, I've, see, I've seen the I, movie, so I can have an agenda. <laughs> I can, I can say that. I was like, I've seen, this I, movie. <laughs> I don't like the minute long ads that King Richard made me watch on YouTube. <laughs> um, and also like, it just showed me, it gave me reasons to not go see King Richard. Um, and Will Smith was the main reason for that guy. Guy looked like he was acting like someone. I don't know. I want Andrew Garfield to win because every time he talked about his movie, people would just talk to him about Spider-Man. I'd like for him to yeah. win and have an acceptance speech where he doesn't mention Spider-Man and he just gets to be happy for once about people pressuring him about See, Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I, will, I will totally take that, except I want him to make references to to spider-man like like as i swung my way into the nominations i am so glad that i was able to sling this oscar will he make a i hope well the only thing i'll say there is that i hope he could find a way to marry a spider-man pun and to talk thanking lin-manuel miranda because he directed tick boom and i think it'd be yeah i want to i want to see andrew garfield try to do that try to swing it as you said now (laughs) if if tick tick boom would when any is Tick Tick Boom nominated for anything? Like, will Taika uh, get his? Uh, oh, what's the four the four awards? What including the Tony? It's the four awards. Oh, like you, the Tony you said, Grammy. Okay. I want to point out right yeah. now. You just said Taika. Taika, not Lin Man Miranda. You just said Taika. Oh yes, Lin Man Miranda. Yes, Lin Man Miranda is nominated for song for Encanto. Which, if he wins, he will get his EGOT. He has gotcha. an Emmy, he has a Grammy, and he has a Tony. Okay. Uh, I think Billie Eilish is winning best song, though. Mm. Sorry, Lynn. Next time, submit the Bruno song. Because they didn't submit the Bruno song. For whatever reason. Because you don't, don't talk about Bruno. But Danny. No, no, is... no. <laughs> no, no. Speaking of things we shouldn't talk about, let's move on to our main topic today. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So Danny, Danny and I agreed that we're going to try and make this our uh, shortest episode. And I'm looking at our recording time, and we are just now hitting nine minutes and forty five seconds. So I think we're on a good, uh, yeah. good roll. So uh, let's let's keep it going. We're going to talk more about the Oscar knobs than any of these individual (laughs) films. We didn't even talk about them. We just listed them and go like, (laughs) we're just like, uh, he directed this movie, this movie, and this movie. Yep, they're movies. All right. Speaking of this movie, this movie, this movie, he did direct Daniel Espinosa, director of upcoming spump film uh, Morbius, which is a film that I hope remains upcoming for the rest of the duration 
of this podcast, aka the next 15 years, you know, because we're going to be doing this for 15 yes. years. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully they just keep delaying it. We're always stuck in the trailer and we never have to watch the movie. Uh, <laughs> I would be I would be down with that. Yeah. It's a great time to just pull out your phone at the movie theater, you know, and the, the Morbius trailer starts. <laughs> uh, anyway. So Daniel Espinosa has directed actually four movies, I believe, prior to this. But we went with his three biggest ones. Well, I went with his three biggest ones to watch, which were Safe House, Child 44, and Life. So we're just going to go through each of them one at a time. And we're going to talk about them. Yes. We are doing a upcoming episode of All New 52, which is a podcast that's done by our editor, Joe Schirmer. And we are going to go on to talk about King Thor. Uh, and we will definitely share that episode when it comes out in all of our social media feeds. So yeah. be on the lookout for that. Uh, I have no idea when it will be out. Can't give you that date. But when it's out, we'll let you know. You know? Yep. And so uh, we are we're reading the King Thor uh, comic comic series. And, I haven't started uh, yet. I will. I will read it. I, I just haven't started I started yet. today and it was a very it was a very nice excuse to not have to watch Safe House. Um, after I finished life. So, uh, Danny, do you want to tell <laughs> finished life <laughs> after I finished life after I finished life? I was over. It, it was done. Uh, okay. So do you want to tell us yes. about safe house? So safe house is a Daniel Espinosa's first big Hollywood film. Uh, I'd actually say I don't consider child 44 a big Hollywood film. I think no. that feels like an indie movie. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's not an indie movie because it's got a lot of big actors in it, but it definitely feels lower grade than these other two. Um, Safe House, Ryan Reynolds, Denzel Washington. Great pairing in theory. Um, Because, you know, obviously Denzel, one of the greatest actors living. Uh, If this was a Daniel Espinosa podcast, I would have mentioned his nomination for Best Actor as Macbeth. (laughs) 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 But we're not Daniel Espinosa podcast. Thankfully, we'll never talk about him again after Morbius. Fingers crossed. Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah. After Venom eats Morbius. Right. Yeah. And Andy swings in, just starts singing uh, Jonathan Larson talks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Danny, Danny and I have we've yeah, we've got like a whole uh, thing started of considering how they all get a beer. How to get Andrew Garfield into Spunk and uh, how that would work out. And also, we are uh, currently in the uh, works of editing a rough outline of our Craven the Hunter movie. Yeah. So, because, yeah. Cody Smith McPhee, also nominated at the Oscars this year for The Power of the Dog, uh, is rumored for Chameleon. So, that's how this all kicked off of us figuring out Chameleon probably is in Craven the Hunter. Yeah, might I say we've just burned out about a minute and a half of us talking about Safe House, which is fine by me. <laughs> uh, so I think most people would assume that in a movie that's being marketed as Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington would be that Ryan Reynolds is you know his fun Ryan Reynolds star persona, while Denzel's like, dude, shut up, right? Like, yeah, that sounds like- no. This is a Ryan Reynolds serious performance. There are no jokes in this movie, mm. which I kind of okay. I I don't think I think Ryan Reynolds might have this star persona, but it wasn't until Deadpool when it was his only thing, you yeah. know. So I I kind of get it because he wasn't a huge star, like he was a known name, but he wasn't a star, you know. So yeah, and he was a known name. He was a known name because of Green Lantern. Well, he uh, well done the, oh no, he done the he proposal had, too. Uh, the proposal did. Yeah, really the proposal. Well. Yeah, yeah, I was like, he also had that Sandra Bullock Betty White film that he. Yeah, was so on. like yeah. he's not, he's not not famous. You should like he's very clearly like second bill after Denzel. Denzel yeah. legend, but Denzel has the much more fun role here, and it's weird to see Ryan Reynolds pretty much just always be like, uh, panicking dude. Shut up to Denzel when you know it's be more. It's not the fun movie you'd expect it to be. Uh. What I have in my notes is that uh, Ryan Reynolds isn't allowed to be Ryan Reynolds, which makes the entire movie feel like a waste of time, you know? Mm. Uh, 
But my actual issue with this movie, which both Life and Child 44 are much better on, and Tyler, in a way, I kind of wish now that I'm talking about it that I made you watch like a clip on YouTube of it, is that the editing of this movie is terrible. Absolutely terrible editing. Uh, Like Taken 3 level of editing. I don't know if you've ever seen that clip from Taken 3 of Liam Neeson hopping a fence in like two seconds and there's like 12 cuts in those two seconds. That's how this whole movie is edited. Oh, oh no. And it's so dizzying and gross and it has the color grading that just looks grotesque. And my actual description for this movie is that it felt like Diet Michael Bay. (laughs) And the, the reason, okay, so Michael Bay, not a good filmmaker, but an interesting one. Yeah, I think yeah. The Rock is a good movie. I haven't seen Armageddon, but I've heard good things. This to me felt like The Rock. Like, of course, I'm talking about the Michael Bay movie, not not Dwayne Johnson. The Rock, but we're removing all the humor. Because uh, The Rock, you know, the, the I don't. Have you seen The Rock? I haven't. It's Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. You can see why um, it could be like Ryan Reynolds and Denzel watched and make sense to be a ripoff of The Rock, right? Yeah, like yeah. Very similar type of pairing. But again, in that movie, Nicolas Cage gets to go full cage a few times. And Sean Connery, of course, is like, I'm Sean Connery. I'm really cool, even though I'm 68 years old at the time of shooting this probably. Uh, that sounded more like one of many Tom Hardy voices than Sean Connery. But like, uh, it's, but, easy, it's easy to go there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just this movie felt long. It was boring. There was no jokes, even though Ryan Reynolds was right there, and Denzel's funny. Denzel, as always, is good, but like, it's whatever. Very, just very boring movie. It has the same ending as Child Forty Four, which I think is really funny. Uh, <laughs> but they, the, these two movies, one from set in modern day. Uh, oh wait, I do want to mention one thing about the movie that I thought was really funny, which is What's Safe that? House came out in twenty twelve. And at the beginning, like, so Denzel is playing, like, a tr- um, an ex-agent who betrayed the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they're doing, like, you know, the dossier on him at the beginning, like, we're, like, you know, just giving you all that exposition. They go, he was last spotted in Hamburg in 2011. And I just thought, this movie came out in 2012. That's not that long ago. <laughs> like, like, you know, <laughs> like, usually when they say something like that, it's like, it would be like, at the time, it'd be like, we saw him in 2009. You know, that would make yeah, more sense. But yeah. it being like, we saw him last year. It's like, okay, so he's not really <laughs> hiding that well then. Because <laughs> this came out like in, I believe, February of 2012. So it's mm. like, what? Which also made me realize this came out at the same time as Jump Street, which might I say, better action movie, better editing. I'm done talking about Safe House. We can talk about a movie you've seen. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a movie, movie that I've seen, Avengers Infinity War. So let's start it right off the top. Oh, I can't pick anything. Kenneth Branagh's cameo. Can't be more nominated Kenneth Branagh. Okay, so so Child Forty Four. Um, it's a very interesting concept. Um, like, and I don't want to. I think that almost gives the film too much credit. Um, okay. well, it's based off a book. Let's be yeah. clear. Uh, these other two movies we're talking about are original. This is based off a book. So, um, so yeah, Child 44, um, is about, uh, well, it jumps a bunch in like time at the beginning of the film. Um, but it is about a, a Russian MGB agent, um, which is very similar to, um, like the, uh, secret police for Nazi Germany, um, and uh, this is set in 1950s uh, USSR. And uh, it is very... Uh, one thing that I thought that the movie did really well with um, was talking, like, uh, the, the uh, emphasis on, like, pushing out Western influence from, from uh, the communist state of the USSR. Um, I thought that that was like the, you know, the clashing ideologies there. I, Although I like the part I like where they're like, it can't be murder. That's capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. But that also did feel a little like, I, I mean, I, maybe there's historic 
actual history for it. But to me, it mm-hmm. was kind of like, oh, these wacky Soviets type of thing. You know what I mean? Like it did right. a little cartoon character worded the way it yeah. was in the film. And I, I did, I did like at the at the very end. Um, and the we'll explain, like, yeah. <laughs> so at the very end of Child Forty Four, um, Tom Hardy's character. He plays the main character in this. Tom um, Hardy, great. Can't and, can never complain yeah. about Tom Hardy doing a Russian accent. Love Definitely. it. Definitely. <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> Trying but, to do a Russian accent. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy, he is talking with his uh, superior, which the actor who plays um, his superior, I really like that actor. He's in Game of Thrones. He plays Tywin Lannister. I can't. No, remember it's Charles that Dance. Thing. It's Charles Dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, uh, wait, love that actor. Can I, can I say one quick thing about? Uh, I you just remind me the one thing I wanted to mention about Safe House. I forgot. Which is during the opening credits, I noticed it has the same casting director as the person who does all the MC movies. Which kind of expl- that movie had a stacked cast. It had Brendan Gleeson, Sam Shepard, and Vera Farmiga in supporting roles, and I didn't even mention them. Oh dang! Uh, yeah. yeah. So very stacked cast. And yeah the casting director who does everything Marvel does. Mm. So that's kind of crazy. Anyway, back to Child uh, 44. Yeah, I paused Child 44. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, he, uh, Tom Hardy is talking to, um, his superior Charles dance and, uh, and his superior says, you know, basically is like, we'll give you a big promotion. You'll have an office here. Um, you'll be reinstated into the MGB. Um, and, uh, and, you know, basically like you'll have everything that you want. And then, uh, Tom Hardy's like, no, I want to, well, okay. So he said, they're talking about the child being murdered and, uh, and the superior's like, well, the child, uh, clearly the murderer was influenced by the West and because, uh, Soviets cannot murder because that is a capitalist. Uh, that's a capitalist <laughs> thing. Yeah. And uh, and then Tom Hardy kind of like beats around the bush, and he's kind of like maybe he was influenced by the West, but all maybe it was also because of his time being in his Soviet influence in his life as well. And and like not once does the does the superior he's like like say anything about treason or anything to him you know to Tom Hardy he like they actually have this philosophical uh, philosophical in quotes um, talk and then Tom and then eventually uh, t- uh, so the superior is like hey you know I'll get you'll get all this promotion and everything and then Tom Hardy's like no I want to be a part of the homicide department which I'll point out. Is ridiculous because apparently (laughs) murder, like Soviets couldn't commit murder in 1950s USSR. So why would you become part of the homicide department? Because then you're part of, you just created a department (laughs) for something that they don't believe exists. So can I tell you you how Safe House ends? Because I want to just, it's essentially the same scene. That's what? what blew my mind. Safe House ends with, so Denzel dies and Ryan Reynolds goes to get debriefed right by the head of the entire agency. Cause the actual plot of the movie is that Denzel had a drive that has the, uh, it's like whistleblowing on all the CIA's like bad stuff, but it's not yeah. just CIA. It's MI6. It's all of them. Uh, and how they use their position to manipulate others for like their own personal gain. Um, and so Sam Shepard, the head of CIA knows that, uh, Denzel had this and they like have this conversation that's like you know if something does get leaked I mean I know it came from someone and Reynolds like I don't know what that is and he's like okay well do you want a promotion like we would really like you to be high up on the CIA <laughs> and then Reynolds is like I'm good thanks and then he immediately leaks the file <laughs> and that's the end so my point is like they are structurally even though the thing after it isn't the same they're yeah. structurally the exact same ending. My goodness. And it's just like, what? <laughs> when I was watching Child... Because I watched Safe House first. I watched Child 44. I was like, oh my God. This is like <laughs> the same shot set up as Safe House. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Hardy is... Tom Hardy's good in this in this film as much as like the script allows him to be. Um, and that's really like... Same thing with Joel Kinnaman. Um 
he gives. I like a, Jason a Clark's per- cameo performance. Uh, who is he? He was the guy. Like I can't even remember like what his role was. Yeah, but he was like the first. Like he was only in it for like two scenes. Uh, it's like Tom Hardy's like talking to him at his farm or something. Uh, and he like tries. To oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Jason who you're talking Clark. About. Yeah, yeah. Great actor. Great actor. He's in the Planet of the Apes movies with Andy Serkis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's in uh, uh, Lawless as well. Yes, uh, he is. Yeah. I always, he's in a lot of interesting movies. Interesting mm-hmm. career. Because um, he was in Zero Dark Thirty, and people thought that maybe he could become a big star like Jeremy Renner came off of the Herlocker. Yeah. Then it was very obvious he's actually like a character actor, and it makes no sense to make him a big star. So. <laughs> Oh, you want to mention this movie came out uh, a month before another Tom Hardy movie that has probably the most cultural impact of any Tom Hardy movie that Tom Hardy was the lead of Venom. Uh, I think Fury Road has a bigger <laughs> cultural impact than Venom. It it does. It does. Yeah. I couldn't uh, resist that, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, Venom does have a lot of cultural impact, but I do think Fury Road's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, I never actually said my thought on this movie, which is um, it's Daniel Espinosa's best film, but I would give it a D. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the great, like, the other ones are worse than a D. <laughs> this one gets a D. Because I, yeah. I think the locations are nice. The It's got nice set design and costumes, and Tom Hardy has a funny accent. But again, so incredibly bored with this movie. Two hours and 17 Two minutes hours, for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the actual plot doesn't start to like 40 minutes in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's that's the thing is that like I I had texted you earlier today and I was like there's too much going on in this film. Like they they start three different plots moving along and they I the movie should have started with him as a policeman. Exactly. Like in the small town. Exactly. It takes Instead us like of, 45 minutes to get we, there. <laughs> we go on this big time jump that's unneeded uh, through from 1933 to 1945 to 1954. And it's, it's like none of the stuff in 33 and 45, aside from the fact that Tom Hardy's character was adopted. Character. Um, Air quotes. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> oh, that his that his character was adopted um, by um, this uh, soldier by this Russian sh- uh, soldier. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Uh, I said Lim Manuel moment earlier. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like that's all we all we needed from that. The first 15, 20 minutes is just his adoption. And you we don't even need the adoption. Well, like, and yeah. what I'm saying is you yeah. easily cover that in one scene that they have in the film. And that's when they all sit down for dinner because he. Oh, well, I would start the movie after that scene, though. That's what well, I'm yeah, about. yeah. I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying like you work it into dialogue in that yeah, you scene. Can, it's, you just, know, you can also just make it like exposition, you know, like, yeah, this line of exposition. I just. This was so. I'd be like, this was so bad for everything. But I realized a connection between Safe House and Child Forty Four, which I think Life tries to address and also fails, is I don't think any of Daniel Espinosa movies have characters. These are all chess pieces to like tell a really boring plot. Yeah. Because none of these good characters point. have any personality at all. Yep. Which That's is a saying point. a lot when, like as I said in the Safe House, you have Denzel Washington as one of your characters, mm-hmm. and he's boring. And you have in this one, you have Tom Hardy giving a funny Soviet accent. No actual character for him, though. Yeah, they've they've each of these movies actually have some. They've got really good cast. Really good cast. Yeah, and I was I was surprised for like Child Forty Four has got a really really good supporting. Uh, cast as well, and I actually I told Gary Danny Oldman's I was like in it, and I don't even know why. <laughs> like why is yeah, he in this movie? Yeah, <laughs> and and really like they introduce him and he acts two different ways. Like it's very confusing, but then they they never resolve anything with him, and we just move on from him. And so he's out there somewhere doing Gary Oldman. And things, he's second build in the movie because he's the most famous person in the cast besides Tom. Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh yeah, so Child 44 could could have been more 
um, if it would have been if it would have had less. If I remember right, I want to look this up. It like had a it was like a terrible bomb, like really like they lost so much money. I think yeah, it would it, have worked better as a limited series. Yeah, I okay. Yeah. So I usually hate saying that because yeah. um I feel like it's just like I think you're correct. I think the, adapting the story, the novel into a limited series would be good. But as for this movie adaptation, the issue is that it doesn't need to be longer. It needs to be way shorter. You know? Well, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think because of how much they tried to push into this movie, that's why I'm saying, like, if you, if you are going to do each of those plots, put put it into a limited series. Um, this movie yeah. costs $50 million to make. It doesn't look like it. It Jeez. made $13 million worldwide for a million dollars domestic. It, it's top theater release with 510 theaters. Huh. I've seen so many indie movies that are like child 44, but have at least some level of interest. This there's nothing here. Yeah. It's still Daniel Espinosa's best film. I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when this came out um, on home release, I rented it from uh the video store I like on DVD. I've rented it. I never watched it, but I remember that. <laughs> so that that's uh that's my past experience with child 44 prior to today. Oh, this movie took forever to come out. It was shot in 2013 and it didn't come out till April, 2015. Anyway, anyways, do you want to move on to, uh, the, uh, Final life, film, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm gonna give. Do you want to move on more to life? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna give us a five extra minutes for life. Okay, gotcha. With our layover, because I think there's a, I think life. So I've life is the only one of these I saw before. I saw it in theaters, uh, and I remember leaving the theater. Well, I remember getting more and more annoyed in the movie, and then at the ending, I just burst out laughing because this movie. We'll get. We have to talk about the ending, but oh, we, we should. Will. We yeah. should talk about the ending at the end of the conversation because it's a, uh, it's it's incredible. I like how we gave the ending to Child Forty Four, but we never said what it was actually about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people are going to be like, Homicide Department. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, Child Forty Four was about like a serial killer. Yeah. But as I said, it didn't Anyways. become about that till forty five minutes into the movie anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But in the case of life, uh, <laughs> the ending is. But anyway, uh, I saw it in theaters. Thought it was terrible. Thought the ending was so funny, even though other people in the theater were like, "Oh man," at the end. But I just yeah. such a bad ending. And we'll 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 obviously talk about it. Um, and I remember it's definitely one of those movies where I left the theater going, "I will never watch that again." Here I am. <laughs> Here I am now. <laughs> Sorely regretting my idea to do director episodes on this podcast. You need to stop. You need to stop saying that. Like, I'm never going to watch this film again because <laughs> it usually ends finding, up when we yeah. talk watching it again. Or you have to watch their sequels, like what with uh, No Way Home. Yeah. Hey, but if you look at Spider-Man No Way Home as a sequel to The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Which, might I say, I had a comment. I was talking to someone earlier this week. This is a fun side tangent, I feel like. Because when we ever talk about Spider-Man No Way Home than Life. Uh, <laughs> is that um, I had the realization that probably the most pivotal. If you had to watch one movie before Spider-Man No Way Home. that It's probably actually The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I feel like <laughs> that's probably the most pivotal movie to watch. Yeah. Because I, I feel like everything else is kind of covered in film. But you won't get all the payoffs of Andrew Garfield's character unless you've seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, the specific iconography call. Yeah. Like, payoff. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's kind of funny. Because it's the one no one has seen of the five. But anyway. Um, life. This is the worst one of the three. It, st- <laughs> it, starts, it starts out so nice. Like it starts out really well, and like I, I love the cinematography of that opening scene. I don't like the dialogue, and that's because I think Brian Reynolds is too talkative at the beginning. Um, it's distracting. Well, we but, should mention what I said to you, which is that this was yeah. the follow up project to Deadpool. It's the same writers as Deadpool, which you know, Deadpool was kind of famously 
ran by the writers and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, Tim Miller, who directed the first one, was just a visual effects artist who they brought on. So that way they could get the movie done. It was a labor of love from the writers and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, So this was their follow-up project, uh, which got greenlit pretty much immediately after Deadpool was big and was Ryan Reynolds' first film after the first Deadpool. Uh, And I think there's an important other part of context to talk about with life, which is that in the early, like in the mid-2010s, there was this really cool trend, I think, starting with Gravity, that everyone was making these space movies. Yeah. Not necessarily like Star Wars and stuff. I'm talking about like Gravity, like Interstellar, like The Martian. Mm-hmm. And I remember I mentioned this in my first my review. I actually just pulled up my review from 2017, which is so all those movies I just listed were made by actual like auteurs, like very like established directors who knew what they wanted to do with their space movie. Um, Sony <laughs> decided in early 2015, I assume when they greenlit all these movies, or 2016 when they green, I probably 2015 where they greenlit all these movies. That they wanted to try to get on this craze without having necessarily great directors behind them. Because they also made the Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence movie Passengers. Which mm. aims to be in this crowd and is also pretty terrible. It's better than this. It's better than life. Because uh, Passengers has a director who's actually made like a decent movie. Yeah, uh, It's terrible script. Uh, but life is the worst of these. Uh because I feel like it is trying to be like Gravity and the Martian combined, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, along with, of course, a mix of Alien in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of Alien vibes. The difference is an Alien is that... It's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like... Obviously, yes. Um, but I think another thing that people always say about Alien... I'm actually not big on the first Alien. Mm. But I do think it's good. And the main reason it's good is because... But half the cast, I think the writing isn't necessarily that great on the characters, but half the cast you can tell is really just charismatic and having fun with these roles. And the roles are written reasonably. That's the mm. thing. Yeah. That's the big issue with this one. Is that like we have all these likable actors, but they're all playing these terribly written characters who are all idiots. Uh like, My, there's not a single smart decision made in this here, movie. Here is, for some context for the listeners that have not watched this movie, here is how so jealous of stupid... You. Here, yes. <laughs> here is how stupid uh, the, like these people are. There is a... There's one person on board who has been... Medic, who is medically trained. She is the one who evaluates all of the, of the people on board the space station... Um, and takes care of their health and gives them medical checkups. And so you know for a fact that she is CPR certified. Now, when one of the other pass one of the other passengers, one of one of the other uh, crew needs when their heart goes out, heart stops beating, they need to be resuscitated. That's when you start pumping with CPR. The first thing they do, no one starts applying CPR. And this lady does not, the first thing she does, like she doesn't start up, up, like applying, a, what are they, I want to say repercussions, that's not what it is. Uh, pressure, you know. Yeah, I know she doesn't start doing, what it's called. yeah, she doesn't start doing CPR. I, I let my training go out yeah. De- my certification go out um i need to re-up it but anyways if i if i can't tell you what cpr is <laughs> that's awesome um so yeah uh so the first thing she goes for is the defibrillators which are the two paddles that you rub together and they produce a shock through the body now those go hand in hand with they're not a substitute for anything they're they're an add-on and they are like those go hand in hand with CPR. So you use CPR to get the heart beating again. And then the defibrillators regulate the heartbeat. It's to get it back on back on track to get it's a stimulus. She tries to use the defibrillators to without CPR to bring this guy to life. And I, I, I don't understand like the whole time I'm like. I- 
This is stupid. I, like, I agree, but like, I think we should. I think we should jump back a bit. Like, yeah, oh yeah, I think oh, there's definitely, a. I think definitely. there's a moment in this movie very early where they're stupid. So yes. the plot of this movie, in case you don't know, is they just these these uh, on Mars they discover life on Mars, uh, and the probe returns with the like species or whatever. It's kind of like a protozoa. Um, arrives on the ISS station, you know, the International Space Station. The opening scene of the movie is the only good part of this movie. It's a wonder that is them retrieving the probe. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it seems a little stupid to me, too, but it's at least fun stupid because I'm, I'm just confused. At like, wait, so why does he actually need to be out there watching this? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. He could have been hit and died. Why? Like, this seems like a very large and necessary risk. But yes. you know what? It, it's kind of cool to watch. So I'll allow it. Um, and they discover the protozoa, which kind of waves to them. Uh, it's very small, kind of cute. And a kid on Earth named it Calvin. Uh and the scientist on board who's supposed to su- study it studies it. And then we get our first stupid thing in the movie. This is where you can tell this whole movie's going to be dumb. And it's when I think he, like, leaves the glove open or something. What does he do? Uh, I don't know. I was looking at my phone. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, he does. He, like, he, like, leaves the glove open. So yeah. Calvin could escape if he wanted to. And everyone starts, to, like, Captain's like, how could you do this blah, blah blah and he's like I'm sorry I forgot it was just a mistake and like it, this scene lasts like three minutes where it's pretty much just her going yeah well you could have killed us all it was a mistake I'm sorry well you could have killed us all it's a mistake I'm stuck like that is, yeah. it's a, such a circular conversation it, but it's it also is. just like it, it, like it is a crucial mistake like he's like I, I didn't I don't know why he makes such a big deal it's like why wouldn't they? You don't like. You right. don't know what this is. You're a scientist, and you're like, I don't really care if it escapes. Just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what? And yeah. then sure enough, the next scene is like, jumps out in like three weeks, and the alien hasn't done anything. And I think he like decides to like poke at a bunch, and then it attacks him. And it's like, oh, think, he's got my hand. I think he talked. He talked about uh, that he was going to stimulate it with electric shock oh yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. It. so he's yeah. like i'm gonna electrocute this thing oh it's shaking my hand oh nope it's got me oh it broke my hand <laughs> it's just yeah, like, and then it oh, just oh. straight up crushes crushes his hand and uh, i would i want to go back to the where he's like it was a mistake i i left <laughs> it open it was a mistake my my favorite line of the whole movie is Ryan okay? So Ryan Reynolds he diffuses, yeah, and like Jake Gyllenhaal is there giving backup to the scientist who's like, it was a mistake, and it's like, what do you mean? Why are you backing him up on this? Jake Gyll- okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal's character is so freaking confused, confusing in this film because he plays devil's advocate, and then he he's designated to main the other side. He's yeah. the designated main character. I don't understand. I don't understand it, but anyways, so. So Ryan Reynolds comes along and he's like, I can be replaced. Like he diffuses the situation between the doctor or the uh, the scientist and the captain. This is a movie where Ryan Reynolds is the smartest character. Yes. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he he says, he says, look, there's one of you. I can be replaced by five other people on Earth. There are only one of you. So like. He's like, you've got to be extra careful, you know, and like he talks sense into it. And then my favorite line after that is, I miss my dog. Only he says, I miss my effing dog. And <laughs> I'm just like, yes, that that's my favorite. I, I just I, he says it classic what, Ryan Reynolds style. What I also think so is good. really funny about Ryan Reynolds is he go. That's the thing that's so frustrating with this, too, is like, I guess that line is there to set up. That he goes to save the guy because he's like, oh, he's the only one in the world and I'm replaceable. But it's also just like, it's just so frustrating that these guys, people are so stupid. They literally see this alien, what appears to kill one of their crew members. And the first response is, let's let Ryan Reynolds go chase him and open up the perimeter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just, this movie is just these people constantly dying by making the stupidest possible stupid decisions. Stupid mistakes. <laughs> 
And it's just like, these are supposed to be like the scientists that are on the international. This is Earth's smartest people all making the dumbest mistakes. And it's not like dumb, like not like when a horror movie happens and you're just like, oh, I know I'm in a horror movie. No, these are just flat out stupid decisions. Like, oh, we're just going to free walk out there with the alien to try to capture it or something. It's just so dumb. It's a stupid movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't even know how, like, eventually Calvin gets outside and and then I don't even know how he got back in. I I kind of, at that point I was like, do I do I want to do something else? Do I like can I do something else with my time while this is like, going on? Look, I'm I'm opening the wiki page so I can remember some of the bad stuff. Calvin attempts to re-enter the station f- through maneuvering its its maneuvering thrusters, so the crew fires its thrusters to blast it away. However, they drain so much fuel it causes the International Space Station to enter a decaying orbit, where it will burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. How do you accidentally do that? If you're a member of the International, whoops! We just actually made the entire space station burn up in the atmosphere. Oh, and they also say <laughs> at the beginning of the film, they're like. <laughs> this space station has billions of dollars that have gone into creating it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it just mm-hmm. you, they know the value of that space station, you know. And um, yeah, this film ticked me off so many times. I need to find everyone in this is so dumb. <laughs> like, yes, this is like I keep saying that, but I cannot. This is the one that, like, people talk about Prometheus as a movie where, like, everyone is stupid. Everyone in Prometheus is smarter than every character in this movie. Because as I said, even Ryan Reynolds, who is the smartest character in this movie, decides to go after this guy and doesn't say, like, he doesn't actually sacrifice himself. He wants to survive. And it's just like, come on. This is stupid. Just, just sacrifice yourself. Just, just, just get rid of the alien. Ugh dumb movie yeah oh i just talked to you about the cpr thing yeah that one really stood out to me with just how i'm like you're medically certified on the international space station and you're not going to even attempt attempt cpr uh yeah yeah so let's talk about this film yeah so um, the ending is hysterical the the ending is uh who is the who is we'll just the say Jake Gyllenhaal and Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, None of the character names matter. They're yeah, all stupid. So Rebecca Ferguson and Jake Gyllenhaal are both like, okay, here was another stupid thing. They're in one scene. They're supposed to be having like this, uh, this like really intimate talk, not intimate, like romantic <laughs> intimacy, but like, I think it's so funny that this movie has intimate talks. It was exactly this is a horror movie where they're fighting. And, the alien. They're like, Oh, we have some time to talk about this. So stuff. they it's apparently like, no, have this, have this time to talk to each other and they are freezing that like, because of how cold, you know, heat shut down and the space station is falling apart. Uh, and so they're, they are talking uh, to each other and the whole time they're, they're shivering because of how cold they are. And not once do they ever say anything about like, we should probably hug because then, you know, it'll share body heat. And then in the next scene, I'm kidding you not. They put on spacesuits, which are built to handle the harsh, <laughs> cold temperatures of space. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and I'm like, you idiots. You should have put these on the whole time because that would have kept you warm. Like, you don't need power to keep you warm in those suits. They're made of material that keeps you warm. I, it's it's stupid. I was like, I hate you guys even more. I want Calvin to win. And well, so, lucky you. Okay. Yeah, lucky so, me. So, so. We have to explain exactly how this goes down. Because it is so funny. So their yeah. plan is there's two escape pods, both designed to go to Earth. However, Jake Gyllenhaal, being a pilot, says, oh, I can maneuver mine to fly off into space, and that will kill Calvin, and I'll sacrifice myself. So finally, someone in this movie is willing to die to stop Calvin. Took it this long in this movie for these people to realize, huh, if this gets to Earth, it might be bad. <laughs> so, this thing that can eat everything in its path. 
All right. So Jake Hall lures Calvin into it and uh, sends Rebecca Ferguson to go down to warn everyone about all the science they have and all, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 So they go down. It's like a really dramatic reentry scene. Uh, and you see, you know, them split the pod split up. And one of them's going off in the deep space, and one of them's going down to Earth. You're like, oh, cool, they paid it off. The triumphant music is playing. And then the one on Earth lands, and then... <laughs> oh, and wait, wait. And while they're going down, you hear over the comms that Jake Gyllenhaal is being attacked. You see him being attacked by Calvin on the one that he lured Calvin into. But it's like, okay, whatever. He's going off in deep space. Who cares? Anyway, so the one on Earth hits down, and a fisherman walks up, goes up to see it. Right after it lands, like right next to a fisherman. <laughs> and the camera pans over and you just see Jake Gyllenhaal covered by Calvin going, Don't open it! No! Don't open it! Don't open it! And then we cut to Rebecca Ferguson just flying off the spate going, No! <laughs> so dramatically. It's, it's, and okay. And then the, the fisherman go and go like, oh, we should open this. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know what? If these are the smartest people on Earth, Earth deserves to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I audit, like, Rebe- uh, for, okay, so Ferguson and Gyllenhaal's performances in these moments are, they match, like, the amount of, like, in, like, <laughs> insanity that's going on and it like the sheer horror of what they re- like once they realize what happened and uh and so like like i congratulate them on that but then well maybe they should have just maybe they should have just let him die maybe they should just all die in space instead of doing I, like well exactly known they're all so stupid that this would never work because nothing in this movie I, I hate to be like this movie's so cynical like think about it think about it in so many movies this would be the big triumphal moment however this movie the entire time has said to you multiple times these people are idiots these people are idiots so of course that's gonna end this way that's why when i saw it in theaters i just started laughing so hard because i'm like oh yeah like good like everyone should die everyone. yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i i i was honestly i wasn't mad at the ending like it happened that way and i was kind of like well yeah that's that's what you did but it was it was it was honestly jarring with like you realize oh crap all this you know all this happened and but like it's the way that that like the editing and the overall just ending is it that makes it comical is because we have this great big mo- moment that's supposed to be triumph and then it's revealed to be you know sheer horror and horror but then we, it's like Rebecca but then Rebecca Ferguson going and it's just it's it's like the escape pod from Star Wars A New Hope like flying through space and she's she's R2D2 just going Woo! and and then Jake Gyllenhaal is covered in bubblegum down in his escape pod don't open the pod don't open it and then the guy and like then, slowly opens it like so easily. That's like the most easy to open escape pod I've ever seen in a movie. Yes, <laughs> he just and, literally pushes a button and like the whole thing opens. It's like, and then, oh. and then we, and then we cut to we cut to black. It starts uh, credits start rolling, and we have <laughs> Norman Greenbaum's. Uh, Spirit, uh, in go, Spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. Yeah, Spirit <laughs> of the sky starts playing, and so I'm like. What just happened? Juxtaposing the like these two together, it it doesn't make sense. It's it's jarring. What I think is so incredible what I think is so incredibly dumb about the ending is like Ryan Reynolds, like he has a air quotes heroic sacrifice. But here's the thing. You could say everyone in this movie has a heroic sacrifice, but none of them are heroes because they failed horribly. No one will care about any of these people over them be like, hey, these idiots on the International Space Station, they're the reason most of us are dead in this post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> like, where's 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 my afterlife movie? Life maybe team. this is the maybe this is the prequel to uh to uh james gunn's suicide squad because of the maybe. starfish looking thing maybe calvin's the big starfish on well all i gotta <laughs> say is this was rumored famous rather famously rumored to be um a venom a venom prequel yeah uh 
So glad it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. The reason that or that happened, that rumor happened, was because they asked the first trailer used stock footage of the crowd reacting to Gwen Stacy being rescued in Spider-Man Three. Why that was put in the trailer? Who knows? There are no crowds in this film. Why would they? <laughs> I don't know. It's makes... life. God. Oh, he has a 67% of Rotten Tomatoes. What? <laughs> what? This movie has a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than Eternals. I don't care if you don't like Eternals. Like, I totally get why some people might not like it. Yeah. But this <laughs> being this. better, like, more considered to be, like, more collectively considered. Oh, that was good. Like, like I, what? <laughs> I would say like high thirty, low forty. That even seems too high to me. I would expect like eighteen oh. percent off the ending alone. Oh, I'm gonna oh. give I'm gonna give credit to like visual effects and cinematography. I'll, I'll give that credit. But can I also add? There's a quote on the DVD cover that says an ending you will never see coming. I want to look that up right now. The inner the reviewer Jason Gu. Where is it? It looks like Gurasis. Uh Insider. Movie Insider. Business Insider. Life 2017. Because I'm curious if this is from a negative review. Because I would totally expect this to be from a negative review. Uh, it does not look like the review is online. Sad. I really want to... Really curious about it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I really want to know. Because I feel like an ending you'll never see coming is an insult to this movie. Personally. Anyway, yeah, life. It's terrible. I just I give up. Life, <laughs> life sucks. Yeah. So, Talking about the movie. What do we hope and expect Daniel Espinosa to bring to this bump? Now, I will say this first things first. I expect that Morbius will be terrible. Yeah, I do. I, too. I expect yeah. after watching these, you want well the one thorough line in all three movies is to me. What's that? They're incredibly boring. <laughs> they are all so boring. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing I hope he brings is Matt Smith is in Morbius. I've never heard him do an American accent. Hopefully it's as funny as Tom Hardy's Soviet accent. The one, the one positive I could see getting out of Morbius. Yeah. Do, you have any, do you have any expectations after watching these movies? My expectations <laughs> are... Somehow lower. <laughs> They're v- so much lower from Morbius, which I already had pretty low, anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much it's that you don't have very high a bar to jump over Daniel Espinosa. So uh, at least try at least try a little hop. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. We hated this. We hated this week. <laughs> this this makes us almost want to. This almost makes me want to retire the director episodes, <laughs> yeah. if not for the fact that I know yeah. our next ones are like Sam Raimi, Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi. <laughs> like yeah. stuff like that. Where it's like okay, but this is this was rough. <laughs> this was a rough week watching all three of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. could have been catching up on Oscar movies I haven't seen. Nope. I could have watched Safe Tick, House Tick, for Boom. You. I'm kind of yeah. I'm I'm considering watching Tick Tick Boom. Do it for Andy. Do it for Andy. But I have also reconsidered rewatching Daredevil, and I'm like, don't do that to yourself, Tyler. Too long. Like, it, All right. Yeah. We're All giving right. up. We're giving up. That's it. We're sorry, Daniel Espinosa. You. All right. Yep. I guess if you ever want to come on the pod, we won't say no, but we're not going to talk about any of your movies. <laughs> That's how I'll put it. <laughs> if you want to talk about Venom Three, we'll do that. <laughs> oh, don't don't scare me with the idea of him directing it. Ugh. No, uh, no I, I know directing. what you meant. I know what yeah. you meant, but like, don't scare me. Yeah. All right. All right. We're done. Yep. I want to thank Joe Schirmer yes, for editing you. this episode. Thank you, Joe. Listen <laughs> to us on All New Fifty Two whenever we guest on it because it will be better than what we just watched. All right. Definitely. Oh, next week we're we're giving our we're giving ourselves a little just so you guys know. So we're watching two for Tyler, three for V Daniel Spinoza films. Uh we're gonna take a little bit of a break next week, and by that I mean Disney Plus recently put up all the Marvel one shots. We're gonna finally talk about them for a week. Why yeah. Not? It'll be a little fun. 
That's what we're doing. All right. See you then. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankmints for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.